0: Welcome, one and all, to Vision on Sound here on Fab Radio International with me, Martin Holmes, as we churn through our warm collective memories of the cathode ray tube-enhancing images and sounds that burn their way into our memories and became what we like to call classic television. On today's programme, we'll be looking at the strange world of remakes and reimaginings in which filmmakers and television executives have plundered their own archives rather than come up with any new ideas, and have occasionally turned that into box office gold. Although more often than not, they seem to harm the legacy of some much loved favourites. And then there are those other times where television itself has eaten its young or remoulded old shows into sparkling, or not so sparkling, versions of themselves. There's a lot to talk about, and I barely think we'll even scratch the surface, so let's crack on, crank up the engines of Fab Radio's very own TARDIS, and find out where the old girl is taking us today. Most exciting... This week we've landed in London in 2150 AD, which looks oddly like London 1965 AD, but with some bits knocked off it. There's some strange interloper who calls himself Doctor Who, but looks a little bit like Professor Van Helsing and is played to doddery perfection by Peter Cushing. On the inside, TARDIS looks not unlike our own version here, although there are signs that it's had a lick of whitewash since its last outing this Doctor Who, as we must call him, apparently, has flown his homemade time machine to this vision of the far future, having made a brief stop, as you do, in the middle of a jewelry raid. Along with his niece, Louise, and his granddaughter, Susan, they pick up police constable Tom Campbell, who closely resembles the lovely Bernard Cribbins. He was once a paratrooper, don't you know? Anyway, they're all whisked away to London, 2150 AD. But this is a London under the rule of those motorised dustbins, the Daleks, appearing in a sequel to their previous feature film outing, on the big screen, in colour. This movie version is Aru Productions' remake of Terry Nation's second Dalek script for the Doctor Who television series, released in the summer of 1966, less than two years after it was on TV, and at the height of what is known as Dalek mania, when every so-inclined child in Britain worth their salt apparently wanted a murderous pepperpot in their Christmas stocking. The Daleks in this are big and glossy and colourful, although they do have a tendency to spray fire extinguisher foam at anyone who dares to disobey their autocratic rule, which has the unfortunate effect of exterminating them. And before you can say it seems to be landing in the vicinity of Sloane Square and Michael Rod has done another round of questions for his screen test contestants, a rather astonishingly retro flying saucer has landed and Doctor Who and his associates are busying themselves with saving the world from the rule of these evil metallic overlords. Directed by Gordon Fleming, the father of future Quatermass experiment star Jason Fleming, because I always need to find a Quatermass link, this is a rip-roaring adventure and the first of our movie adaptations of television series. You can see why they felt the need to tweak the format a little for the international market that might have been mm, unfamiliar with that now iconic television show. This version is most definitely family entertainment, with little in the way of backstory and By halving the running time of the serial it was based upon, the story rattles along at quite a frantic pace. Only a couple of months after this film was released, the original television Doctor Who, as played by William Hartnell, would be transformed into Patrick Trown and television history, and a long-standing legacy would be made. So it's probably just as well that people get the chance to get used to a new face before all that sort of thing went on. Anyway, it was good to visit 2150 AD, as that showed us a great example of a television show being reinvented for another format, which is, of course, what we're going to be talking about today. (music) Meanwhile, back in Manchesterford, I have a companion in this old TARDIS of ours. Now, because the role of a companion is basically to say what's happening before I introduce him, I'm going to turn up his microphone and he's going to say... What's happening? Ha-ha! Hello, Sandy. Hello, Martin. How are you doing? Welcome to Vision on Sound. <laughs> Thank you very much for inviting me, Martin. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Now, you're, you're, not, you're not from round these parts, I gather.
1: No, I'm from Stockport. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but originally you yeah, grew up... You I- grew up
1: yeah, I'm from uh just say Dumbarton and the, the, right. the west okay. of
0: Scotland. So your your television experiences as a youngster would have been Quite different, perhaps, yeah, to the rest of the for, the... for some of us down here in, in to North. You're in the North North.
1: Yeah, a lot of it is similar, but then there were decided differences with uh, things like uh, The Sounds of Scotland, The White Heather Club. Oh, crikey. Uh, Glenn Michaels' cartoon cavalcade.
0: Glenn Michaels' cartoon cavalcade, do tell.
1: Yeah, Glenn Michaels' cartoon cavalcade was a kind of... Sunday afternoon cartoon clip show. Oh, right. So they used to kind of have clips of uh, Casper, the friendly ghost, oh, and yeah. bits of Tom and Jerry. And I right. used to have strange conversations with a lamp called Paladin, a I lamp. believe. A lamp. Right. he had a talking lamp. Okay. I believe other talking lamps <laughs> may exist in the. Uh, <laughs> In the cultural uh, existence is this, is of the this world. Is this a Scottish thing? I don't, yeah, I don't know. It didn't have a Scottish accent. No, okay. At least not noticeably to <laughs> me. And yeah, so that was that was kind of uh, something we used to... I think other other regions of the country would have their own cartoon right. presenters. Yeah, one of, the, one of the strange experiences I had through watching this was uh, he used to have a cartoon of something called Calamero. Calamero, Calamero, okay. And Calamero was a, a small, chicken, with a <laughs> uh, with a with an upside down shell right on his head. Okay, and he had the the catchphrase of, "It's an injustice." It's but, an injustice. But it was said in a very pathetic voice, like, "Oh, the injustice." <laughs> and uh, I I happened to drop this phrase into conversation with okay. my better half. Aye. Who grew up in Granada Land. Oh, didn't right. grow up in uh, the land of STV. Right. And I got the most blank expression.
0: Right. So like, this this was a very a very local Scottish uh, delicacy. Yeah. Well, well <laughs> sounds but, like a Scottish delicacy. Ca- Calamero seems to come from Italy. Ah, yes. I think we've ordered it. Sometime, and it was we?
1: a it was a kind of a, it was an advertising uh, gimmick. Uh, but uh, they made cartoons yes. based on it. Which okay. Which I suppose is that it's the opposite way around from where we how we go now, isn't it? Because now. Now we have T V programmes right. that generate things that you go and yeah. buy. Yeah. And and this is the other the other way around. So I this is, this
0: this shaped a generation of Scottish kids and then you go out into the world and no one knows what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, so, well perhaps Italian yeah. kids do. Ah but uh, presumably in Italy <laughs> he, he said something rather than oh the injustice
0: of it. <laughs> It's You see, that's a very Scottish phrase. Isn't it? that, that, yeah,
1: uh, it's, it's a bit odd. Oh, Did I dream yeah. all this? Uh, <laughs> well,
0: there is always a possibility, I'm sure, someone will let us know. <laughs> but, but, I mean, yeah. this is, because this is the kind of thing that the the little sort of areas of, of like, Scotland that have their own things that, that didn't travel at all, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's, and and an, I mean, we used to get these announcements, you know, except for viewers in Scotland who will now get their own programmes, and, yes. all, the, and all the fun stuff would suddenly vanish, <laughs> and you'd get.
1: Well, we we, all, we always thought it was the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all the really exciting stuff is now going to be in BBC England, yes, now, yes. while we are watching the Beech Grove Garden. <laughs>
0: The Beechgrove Grove Garden? Yes. Oh, okay, what's that? Uh, well, that was a
1: gardening programme.
0: Ah, I see, right, yeah.
1: Based in yeah. the Beechgrove Grove Garden. Yeah, local
0: programming. I mean, round here we used to get things like Tom O'Connor and the Grumbleweeds and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. In, in that sort of half-hour slot, but uh, but there was always this mysterious, except for viewers in Scotland. <laughs> no, wonder, no wonder there's bitterness. Oh, yes. We <laughs> were all getting the Pink Panther show and you were watching somebody... Yeah, I mean, th- the Garden. Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks to the wonders
1: of uh, kind of uh, internet technology now mm-hmm. and BBC iPlayer. You can obviously now sit and yeah. watch programs from your uh, your own From wherever you are. Neck of the woods, but yeah. oddly enough. I don't really have the uh, the urge to watch the uh, whatever the new <laughs> Beech Grove Garden is.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. Is there any other exciting things from Scotland? Because we, 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 we used to opt in, didn't we, for, for New Year's Eve? Yes. And we would yeah. get all, all the strange, the sort of like stereotype stuff. <laughs> where, this is what people think happens in Scotland <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, the, the, one of the, the, the stranger ones that's going to, well, not stranger ones, interesting ones, mm-hmm. is uh, Still Game.
0: Okay. Don't know if you are aware of Still Game. Mm, you, you, I, I recognise the title. I don't yeah, know
1: it's a it's a comedy program mm. based on two guys who live on a a housing estate in the, the kind of the West of Scotland. Right. It's a kind of down to earth version of Last of the Summer Wine. Oh, okay. And it, it started out as a kind of comedy program on yep. BBC Scotland with uh, from guys who'd done a couple of things before, yep. and it kind of it picked up and picked up and started making it down into uh uh BBC nationally. Right. But uh they also having seen the success of Mrs Brown's boys uh. thought, "Oh, why don't we do a a live show?" Oh, okay. Based on this, and they booked the uh the Hydro in mm. Scotland, which is a new concert venue very similar to the uh the arena in Manchester, mm. similar size, can kind of okay. attend 15,000. And they sold out for 21 nights. Good God. <laughs> Go <on. laughs> so, so we're talking about 300,000 people yeah. or so going to see a live show. Amazing. Which is about 5% of the population of Scotland <laughs> are actually going to turn up and watch right. So uh, uh,
0: it's kind of popular, isn't it? It's it's yeah. it's, it, it's um yeah that that's that's astonishing. <laughs>
1: the, the number there is just I mean, like you.
0: I know a couple of guys who who tour as the uh, Summer Winos and they they sort of fill you know halls you know uh, the village halls and what have you. Uh, but but three hundred thousand people. Yeah, <laughs> and you think last Summer Wine probably had a bigger um bigger audience generally. Yeah, it's incredible. Wow. So is, that, is, that, is that a very is that a particularly Scottish humour?
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, it, it, people watch it down in England. Yeah. now. it's gonna. It makes it on to, Yeah, I think it's gonna even graduated from BBC two to, to right. BBC one.
0: But it's kind of a pride thing. in it's, it's
1: yeah, it's, it's a really. It's yeah. a kind of unearthly.
0: Yeah, because yeah. I, I remember there was a there was a thing. There was it. What, what was the one that had Stony Bridge in it? What was that? that uh, sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Because that that sort of travelled well, didn't it? That yes. Was, um,
1: yeah, that was a kind of. Wow. Half past ten, Channel Four <laughs> on a Friday night kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, I remember
0: Stoneybridge. Were you still in Scotland when Channel Four began?
1: Yes, right. and I didn't get it.
0: Oh right, okay, that's interesting.
1: I, I, I lived in one of the uh, the areas that. Right.
0: Uh, did because uh, I mean, because I uh, for a time I lived in South Wales, <laughs> and we got we didn't get Channel Four. We got. That's 4 yeah. Which yeah. was kind of slightly different, but uh, yeah, also, I, also, also yeah, I lived, yeah,
1: I lived in Lancaster for a while, and that yeah. was interesting, because you got... Bit of both. Bit of both. <laughs> and it was good, and I, I remember being really keen on The Jewel and the Crown. Okay. When it was on, it was really good. Mm. So, you used to watch it on a Tuesday night, okay. and if worst came to the worst, you got the repeat on a, right. on a Sunday night.
0: Interesting.
1: But S4C used to repeat it on a Monday night. Uh. So in these days of uh, pre-video recorders for me, I actually had three chances (laughs) to to catch a series, which which made life easier in those days.
0: It's, it's kind of weird because I, I, being in South Wales, I was watching um, I was watching Hill Street Blues on its first run on, on S4C, and it was always on a much more convenient night because yeah. it was always on. Uh, I think it was on Saturday nights when you wanted to be in the pub as a student back in yeah. those days when you could when they let <laughs> you out, you know. But um, but the, but when we were doing it uh, when we were watching it, it was I think it was on a Monday. It was really quite nice. It was, yeah. it, was it was used and you'd get things because like, I think Channel Four in its early days showed started showing old shows like The Avengers and what have you. The, yes, you know, which yeah. which again hadn't been seen. I know it was cheap, probably, to to fill their their uh, channels with that. But again, you'd get them on a different night, so it was was very. You could see them, yeah. You say in in two Mm -hmm. two (laughs) nights, really, and you felt special. You know, especially. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, about was that been about eighty two, eighty three? Channel four started, so it was. It was kind of it was before I had a video machine. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean they might have had them in London, that London. They might have had him in that London. The, I mean, the, uh, the, other, the other
1: bizarre thing that uh, S Four C used to have is that they used to have wrestling right. in Welsh.
0: Okay, called Reslo. Reslo.
1: Reslo. Okay, that sounds, that sounds
0: like a one of these detective shows. Yeah, right, but yeah, you tune like, in for a detective show and get two men wrestling. That's kind of fun.
1: But the the guy there was a, a Welsh speaking wrestler, right? Who promoted it, so he was like the big sell. Right. And he went by the unlikely Welsh name of uh, El Bandito. El Bandito! Wow. So uh, old Orig Williams, (laughs) which was his real name, (laughs) had the proper kind of handlebar moustache and the very dark hair, and his persona was that of uh, El Bandito. Oh, fair enough. But he would would also kind of... uh, Talk away in Welsh.
0: Oh well, fair enough. But I mean, we—I suppose Shirley Crabtree. You know, yes. When you think about it, you know, <laughs> I suppose not many people are born with wrestler names, generally. Yes. <laughs> well, anyway, anyway, he's, he's called he's called Shirley. No, that that came up on TV the other day,
1: didn't it? He? He's called Shirley yes. after. Surely not. No, Surely not. No, it's from it's from a it's a Bronte.
0: Oh right, interesting. It's a Bron- Bronte, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, they 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 do they do. Uh, I mean, some of these names. What's the other one? Leslie, isn't it? There, there are some that sort of. Yeah. Sort of fall on both sides of the, um, the the naming thing, but I think was it who was it was it was it John Wayne Marion or Yes, yes, yeah. John Wayne Marion. Yeah, wild,
1: yeah. See, I get that as well. Being a sandy, yes, know. I
0: suppose you do, really. Yeah,
1: I've had an email. Are you sandy? Are you a girl? Uh-huh. Please, please answer it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> mm.
0: What? Don't answer him no? <laughs> yeah. Oh, very dodgy emails. I'll tell you what. I will quickly play in because you might enjoy this. I, maybe you won't, right. I don't know. But this is uh, our um, our r- random dialogue of the week.
2: What are you three doing up in the middle of the night? We heard a noise, as in... Oh, I shouldn't worry about that.
0: You know what it was?
2: Aye, it was the ghost of Sandy McGregor. You can take my word on that. Always disturbs him to have strangers in the place. Well, good night to you, folks. I'll see you in the morning.
0: Yeah, that was our random dialogue of the week, and indeed, that <laughs> was your that was your st- starring moment in Stingray. Was it? Yeah, oh, nineteen no, 19- no, sixty-four. Sixty-four. Ah, yes. Well, the, the actual character in it is Andy McGregor, but the ghost, <laughs> the ghost of Sandy McGregor. I think that's possibly why right. you, you, someone may have bought you the. May have brought you the Stingray set. <laughs> anyway, Stingray, as far as we know, hasn't been remade. But no. uh, lots of television uh, programmes are constantly reinventing themselves uh, or spinning off or being remade with new cast or the same cast or a bit of both. Zedcar, remember Zedcar? Yeah, all remember Big, zo- Softly Softly. Yes. Softly Softly Task Force. Then... Various Barlows.
1: <laughs> you know, they had that thing where they, they invent, investigated old crimes. Didn't oh, they? yes, they tried that was, to solve Jack yes. the Ripper.
0: Yes. There's a six, it's actually available, that. Yes, you, can it, actually, all right. you can actually buy that. <laughs> Barlow and What Investigate Jack the Ripper. They did another series later as well, which I'm, the name just escapes me at the moment. Right. But, uh, but yes, they looked into other other crimes. So, yes. I mean, it's just, why not? You know, you've got your brand. But, I mean, uh, I think uh, Stratford-John's played Barlow for about 15 years on British television. So, uh, yeah. And, of course, then you had things like, was it Dallas? Dallas. Yes. And then Dallas sort of reimagined Miss Ellie, for a year right. or so then yeah. changed her back without telling anybody and, and all this kind of thing with barely a nod or, or grabbing a towel off the road was yeah. it Citizen you remember Citizen Smith oh yes I remember yeah, that. Citizen yes. Smith uh, never quite got used to who his father was I think he had three his father-in-law <laughs> sorry not father-in-law because they weren't married but uh, his girlfriend's yeah. father was played by three different actors. Oh, right,
1: With p- Peter Vaughan
0: was he? Peter one of Vaughan them? was the middle one. Right, yeah, there was a different one in the pilot, whose name again I've, I've yeah. not written down here. But uh, but then he was p- replaced by Tony Steedman, who I always right. think Tony Steedman and, and uh, Peter Vaughan were, were always up for the same jobs. They must have been yeah. all the time because mm-hmm. they they looked very similar. Because Peter Vaughan, uh, you know, has the higher profile because of um, porridge. Yeah. Uh, the genial Harry Grout, you know, and of great course, a great character. Oh, yes, lovely. And he was in uh, our friends in the north, uh, in uh, yeah, but he doesn't get his picture on the titles, so yeah. he's, he's not one of the friends, even though he's in more episodes than some of the actual <laughs> or the main characters. But there we go. I mean, and then what was that thing where, where shows would emigrate down under? So you would Ooh. get so, um, you would get Wurzel Gummage, then you would get Wurzel Gummage to, to they couldn't get any funding up here because right. uh, Southern yeah. had lost its franchise, so so Wurzel Gummage down under would happen and they would film in New Zealand for a year yeah. uh, and uh, I think Love Thy Neighbour ended up uh, going to Australia as well Love Thy Neighbour cro- crops up in an interview I did earlier which yeah. will be on right. later because yeah. we're, in, we're in a time machine so that Ooh. kind of things. but there are, no, there are no rules you know if a show's popular, there's always going to be a reasonable chance that you'll get to see it again. That's the beauty of it. I mean, yeah. do you think your your um your Scottish that was that's quite new though, isn't it? That's quite modern. Still go- oh yeah, it's yeah, the, still, yeah, still they, going. They,
1: they only had the last episode last year, yeah.
0: so they're not reinvented it yet. For, no, for, you
1: know, no. I mean, they, they had a big a bit of a hiatus because yeah. supposedly they uh, yeah. they kind of uh, the two writers who are mm-hmm. the main characters. Yeah. Uh, kind of fell out and then, then some, suddenly the uh the three hundred thousand people for the live show right uh kind of uh put aside oh, the, oh, right. their differences they, they but, took sides oh, yeah, it's, but they, it's like did, it's like yeah. politics all over again. Oh, do you mean but they, they, they did find a, a nice way to finish it and to kind of indicate that that was a excellent that was a line drawn under it. So that was a, that was a kind of a nice way to to do it.
0: Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, it's funny. I was mentioning uh, last week. There's a kind of uh, the thing uh, where shows just end on a cliffhanger and are never yeah. never heard from again. It's mm-hmm. really really annoying. You know, it's, I think uh, I was trying to think of one that actually happened on, but things like uh, Firefly and other shows like Firefly, <laughs> no, uh, Scorpion stuff like that. Yeah. They they just they just get cancelled in America, and, and yeah. sometimes they at least know they've got half a season to wind it up or something. But mm-hmm. sometimes they just vanish, and you and because they are hoping to come back, they do this massive yes. season-ending rip-roaring. Oh, everybody's died. I mean, I think Blake Seven. Killed, I think right. r- ruined Christmas 1981. Oh. I believe for a lot of kids because <laughs> they all got shot four days before Christmas, and we never heard from them again. No. Apart from obviously in different in different, <laughs> <in> different contexts. <laughs> anyway. Nobody knows anything. That's what they say. That's what they no. say with uh, any any uh, any uh, television branding. Yeah, you know, you never know whether something's going to be popular. But obviously, when things are popular, they do reinvent them. So what we're going to do now is, I think, we'll go and start talking about things that actually have become remakes. So here's one you might remember, Lalo Schifrin's classic theme to the television series Mission Impossible, as used in the first feature film version, which is now an astonishing 24 years old. There have now been six of these movies, all starring Tom Cruise, Tiny Tom, Run Tiny Tom, and because this has become one of the most successful movie spin-offs from a television series ever, you already know that there's another on the way. Well, there's been a bit of filming footage on the internet, so that's no surprise. Brian De Palma's original is a peculiar beast as it tends to quickly dispose of the original series format and ultimately leaves Tom Cruise playing Ethan Hunt as the main operative and driving force behind the various scrapes and world-threatening impossible situations that the IMF... Impossible Missions Force, not the International Monetary (laughs) Fund, have to deal with. The original series, created by Bruce Geller, would have an impossible situation every week to attend to, and it had a fairly rigid formula, even though it got increasingly difficult to actually think of new impossible situations for 20 or more episodes a year for seven years. Jim Phelps, or Dan Briggs if you remember the first series, would go to an out-of-the-way place to receive a message that would explain the mission and then self-destruct moments later. Jim, or Dan, would then sit in his black-and-white apartment, start planning how to resolve the problem and choose and then gather a team together for a briefing in which, almost inevitably, Barney Collier would demonstrate some impossible gadget or other that would come into play later on. Interestingly, the iconic Light the Fuse title sequence would also include an edited version of the entire show. So, you actually sort of got the impression you'd seen it all before it started. Spy, you know, would ensue, often involving very convincing masks or evil dictators of foreign powers in countries like a Mediopia, you know, they always seem to be called made up here, who happened to closely resemble Martin Landau or Leonard Nimoy in The Seemingly Impossible would be resolved in about 50 densely filmed minutes. Such a popular show that 15 years after it finished its original run, a new version would appear for a couple of seasons, while the team's headed up by master manipulator and planner in a sports jacket, Peter Graves, as Jim Phelps. Only six years after that version ended, the movies began, although their version of Mr Phelps was unmasked as a villain, leaving Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt to star in the film series, which does, to be said, benefit hugely from only having to come up with a suitably impossible scenario every two or three years ago. Sandy, what did you think of Mission Impossible in in your youth? Uh,
1: it was one of the uh, the go-to series, as I remember. It was like uh, you had to watch it. And, yeah, the, uh, the, the start sequence is one of these things that's just become a... Light the fuse! Uh, yeah, it's like this, <laughs> this message will self destruct in five seconds. Oh, yes. Yeah,
0: you do think, I mean, I think it, it was actually, it was, it, was, uh, it, it was a franchise that uh, did actually reinvent itself and reinvent itself and reinvent itself. But the interesting thing about it was that um, it kind of got into trouble even when it was running because it started in about 66, 67, ended in 73. And what was going on in America at that time? People were protesting about government intervention, everything like that. And, of course, this squad were going into other countries and overthrowing <laughs> governments. And, and, it, and So in the end, I think it, it mostly became about the mob or the the syndicate. And what they've done in the films now is that they've started using sort of elements from those episodes in the plots of the films. So, have you seen any of the films? I think I might
1: have seen the first one or two. Right. Uh, yeah. You're talking what, 24 years ago, did you say? Well, the first question? one was, yeah. The, the, yeah.
0: Uh, they, the funny thing was, they sort of stopped for a while and then, and then they, they, they kind of rebooted them themselves. It's one of those things, you talk about reboots and reboots and reboots, yeah. but they, they sort of started playing more with the having a regular team yeah. and uh, having the, the. And they did have elements in the title sequence in the earlier films, but they sort of made it a, a feature of it. And, uh, and I think it was the fifth film. They actually um, they included a little bit of an, a sequence uh, that happens in a, in a record shop, a, a, yeah. a vinyl record shop, you know. For the, and of course, <laughs> by then, vinyl had made this incredible comeback that nobody <laughs> saw coming. And. Um, <laughs> And so you get this 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 thing where uh, they they go to what did the booths they used to have where you could go into a List, shop, listening booth listening booth. Yeah. So yeah, so actually it features a listening booth like it did in the very first pilot episode back <laughs> in 1966, and they go into this listening booth and it's exactly the same. And that's a kind of nice touch. I do like that when they when they actually yes. plunder their own thing, but in in a good way. You know, it's. <laughs> It's kind of weird. Um, yeah, I don't know about Mission. But it, it's it's one. It, uh, my favourite show is is an atypical one. It's it's kind of where he goes. He goes home. It's called the Homecoming. It's about yeah. about five seasons in. All, all the original cast have gone. The Landows have gone. I think by this stage even Leonard Nimoy's gone. Um, and oh, I still have had Leonard Nimoy in it. But basically, Jim goes home to where he grew up, and. Shenanigans and <laughs> it's, it's kind of weird, though, isn't it? Because there are certain shows that work better by not having a backstory to your characters. You know, you don't really want to know about, you know, Jim at the primary school or whatever. It doesn't no. really work. Same with uh, Law and Order. In that sense, you got uh, Lenny. You know, Lenny's personal life, but it only came up in conversation. It wasn't actually. Um, You know, you didn't suddenly have this whole episode where he had to have a breakdown and everything was focused on him, which happens in quite Mm -hmm. a lot of series, but there we go. Anyway, that's uh, that's Mishimp, I'll tell you what. Have you got any other favourite shows that were reinvented, do you think? I mean, I I, I was thinking about, well, actually I was thinking about this one, but uh, this one is very familiar for people, I think. Unfortunately for this bit, I spoke over uh, Jerry Goldsmith's rather beautiful theme to Star Trek The Motion Picture and um, made the comment that Star Trek is one of those shows that's reinvented itself multiple times over the years and I asked Sandy whether or not he was a fan of Star Trek and we'll pick up from there.
1: Then, uh, I don't know, once... Once the new TV series started coming on, the kind of the next generation, yeah. and too much Trek, yeah, yeah, just it kind of it, it, it took away from the kind of the the simplicity, yeah, of the uh, of the original ones.
0: Yeah. I think I think that again, it, I, it may well be an age thing. It may be your your generation, or or I mean, my generation. We're about the same age, give yes. or take. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, Star Trek turned up on on British television as a, as a Doctor Who replacement back in. 1970, after it had already yeah. finished mm-hmm. in America, been cancelled in America by that stage, so it had done its three years. And uh, and then it was on all the time. The thing about Star Trek is it was on um, on Monday evenings. It was either just before or just after Je Sans Frontier. Right. You know, it was family viewing, it was family entertainment. Yeah. I mean, it's one, mm-hmm. it's one of those things that could get the kids indoors, you know. But I think it's it's pretty iconic, isn't it, Star Trek? I mean, you know... You know, I mean, of of an era, it was it was space adventure, and it was in color, and it was and it was American, and we all. Yeah, you know, I think sort of... I think I
1: think it was black and white for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it was probably black and white for most of us. Yeah, but uh, but uh, you know, the fact that because I, we, I, like I say, I, I think I was talking about this before, but uh, it came on on, on uh, weekday mornings in the summer holidays as well. I think. You, yeah,
1: it was it, just en- endlessly repeated. Endlessly
0: repeated, and of course, then the cartoon version came yeah. up because, and then, uh, like I say, this. This yeah. film, uh, the the Jerry Goldsmith uh, version of music, ended up being yeah. used for the TV series. Right. But wasn't used for other films. But it uh, the first film came in ten years after the show finished. And uh, I always get this weird thing that when a show is talked about, when we were young and someone talked about, I mean, Star Trek was ancient back then. It was... I mean, 1979, it finished ten years ago now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with The New Avengers and The Avengers. It was old, old television. Yes. And yet it's only seven years. It's like... Uh, <laughs> it's, it's 19... It's 23rd. Now, 2013 seems like yesterday to me now. Yeah. And, and ten years ago from 2010. You know, it, it, it's, it's... But when we were that age, it just seemed like ancient, ancient, yeah, ancient se- television.
1: Se- se- seven years at that age, you know, yeah. when you're a, you're a teenager, yeah. is forever.
0: Absolutely. I was also going to prompt you with um, an, another thing, which is uh, The Singing Detective. Yes. The Singing Detective, which uh, did get feature filmed. Yeah. Which, uh, with uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah.
1: And, and as I remember, part of the deal of the uh, the feature film mm-hmm. coming out was that they weren't allowed to show the, uh, the, original, the original TV series.
0: Which is annoying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> which is like, you know, and because, to me, the feature film suffers so much mm if you do know
0: yeah. the original. How long, how long is this? So, is, it about, is it about two hours? No, it's not even. Not that, even, not even no. two hours. They've no. literally torn everything out of it. Yeah. Because the original series, what, six hours or more, isn't it? Yeah. I think one, of them, one or two of them are even an hour and a half. I yeah, the,
1: the, the episode lengths aren't kind of uh, no. standardised. It's not that you know, you've know you got your 50, 58 and a half minutes to allow for the stuff at the top. It, yeah. He was allowed to tell the story in his own... In inimitable pace, style, is, yes, yes. So, yeah, I've, I've kind of I've watched the the film once, and I might have kind of fast forwarded pa- mm. through quite a lot of it. But you know, the uh, the TV series I've seen multiple times and can just stick it on. And obviously, if you've seen Dennis Potter, there there are there are there are scenes in that that just come straight out of. Nigel Barton and yes, and, and well, other he, he, like that. he,
0: he uh, was. I think it's uh, is it is it um, Mark Gatiss who says we've all got. Or it might even be Alan Bennett who says we've got a very very few beans in our in our pot, <laughs> and we and we reuse them. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of fun. But uh, but yeah,
1: they did they did just take it. I mean, the the TV program is is so much based in the Forest of Dean, yes, and London and to to move it somewhere else just takes so much away. And because you, if you know Dennis Potter, then you can see the, kind of the, the similarities between the uh, the characters in there and his own family and to just kind of move it off to the States is uh, pff, madness. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do, you think it, I mean, it's, do you think it works at all? I mean, is any, anything about it worthwhile apart from it presumably made Dennis a few quid?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe I do need to kind of go back and watch it
0: again after having given it a rest for tw- <laughs>
1: twenty-five years or whatever length of time you're going to tell me. It is. I think
0: sometimes it's interesting to see the, the retail. I mean, I, I've done that with a few things recently. Is, is actually look at both versions, yeah. just just to sort of compare and contrast. I think mm-hmm. I think it, it's not the uh, it's not the worst thing in the world to uh, to actually sort of see a show in its original. Uh, Tinker Taylor. Is another yes. one. You know, it's uh, the two-hour film feels in many ways it feels quite slow. Yeah. But then the original version is six hours long, and also feels about it w- works at the same pace. You don't yeah. feel the film misses anything out, really. No. Which is kind of peculiar because obviously yeah. with, with with Dennis it, it does. So I think it's the oh is it the only Dennis Potter? No, it was Pennies from Heaven Maiden. Uh, was was Penny from Heaven Maiden? I to don't think film? that was made no. into a film. So it's, it's the only one that sort of. Got turned into a, a feature. I mean, let's yeah. face it. Yeah, this is the whole thing, isn't it? You've got this whole thing about trawling. I mean, do you think that in Hollywood they sit there thinking that was popular? That was that was we, people liked that. Yeah. We've got no ideas. Charlie's Angels. People liked that, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. And stuff like that. Do you think it's really that kind of thing at all? Or yeah, I don't know. They, they, there's always that kind of
1: delight they take in remaking yeah. foreign films because because yeah. pe- people can't. Uh, can't look at the. No, that's uh, true, that's true. Uh, yeah. Can't be bothered reading those things yeah. at the bottom of the screen. And yeah, um, yeah they, they do seem to li- like to look for mm. things that have been popular in some yeah. other. Uh, it's it's some kind of weird
0: because I'd like, uh, on another week, I'd like to look at this the other way around and look at television shows that have been made based on feature films like MASH and what have you. Yeah. You know, sort of just flip this round and say yeah. and you know the, how that that's been adapted you know from a 2 hour movie into a into a full series yeah. but the thing about it is, is is there any feature film i mean mission, mission impossible presumably has been yeah. successful but is is there really any really good remake of a television show you can think of at all because I think the Avengers movie, yeah. I mean, this is the mm-hmm. Bowler Hat Avengers. That's yeah. uh, what we talk about on this programme. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the John Steed Avengers yeah. uh, wasn't a successful movie at all. No. Uh, have you seen that at all? Did no. you go and see that? I don't know. It's yes, uh, Rafe, Rafe. Oh, sorry, yes, Rafe I did. Rafe yeah. and uh, Uma Thurman and Sean Connery. Yeah, it was. It was it August was. de Winter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, were, it was a bit. Off the scale, as I remember, yeah. it was kind of it, I've got, i the DVD. I remember scraping them off the ceiling. Yeah. I,
0: I did try and uh, I did try and rewatch it last year. I thought I'll give it yeah. a go, give it another go, and you can see that. It's, I think it's obviously it's trying to be deliberately eccentric. And the thing about the original Avengers is it started off as a straight crime drama, yeah. and then went a bit quirky, and then mm-hmm. went a bit quirkier, and then went a bit quirkier. So what happens with the film is they just got oh, I mean the bit with the scene with all the teddy bears around the table. <laughs> It, it boggles the mind. I mean, it's kind of interesting as a piece of cinema, don't get me wrong. You know, yeah. I mean, it's an hour and a half, you can, you can sit through it and go, yeah, but I'm not sure it's a good remake of the Avengers. You know? No. But, I mean, they've done, I say they've made, was it how many, two or three Charlie's Angels films? Yeah. You know? And Again, it's, it's weird because I always think that, again, going back to Star Trek, is that you, know, you had a plot a week and yeah. then suddenly you get a plot every three years. And somehow, yeah. on, like I say, with, with Mission Imp, it sort of works because you know it means yeah. they can do mm-hmm. a really complicated conv- Although, for some reason, in the Mission Impossible films, they're always um, disavowed. They've always <laughs> been disavowed. They're always off the grid. Yeah. They can't just be a, you know working for the people they're working for. They've always had to you know been oh we're, we're behind we're, we're we're off the we're off the radar this time like last time and the time yeah. before. You know, but Star Trek because it was like you'd land in a different place every week. Yeah. Suddenly that, that only happening once every three years and also them then doing a trilogy of films that were linked. There was Roth of the Search for Spock yeah. and mm. Voyage Home, which were yeah. a linked story. So they actually told one story over about eight yes. years. I mean, I think, that's,
1: that's, that, that's partly because they made that mistake of killing Spock. Yes, it? that's true. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. we've, we've, we've dropped a baby kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do to...
0: Uh... Yeah. This kind of thing. But there have been some awful remakes. I mean, the Bilko. The Bilko movie oh, with Steve, yeah. Steve uh, Martin, you know. Yeah. Um, any th-
1: any, th- any remake with Steve Martin, yeah. I kind of... You know, he's a, he's a fantastic
0: comedian. Yeah. But Bilko. Yeah. Oh, God, I'd forgotten about that yeah. one. Yeah. And his two Pink Panther movies as well yeah. he, uh, he made. But uh, it's almost like, you know, well, we've got Steve on board, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, uh, say, I'm sure he makes the best of a, a bad yeah. lot, but it's... Uh, yeah, Bilko. Ooh, because <laughs> I, mean, I I love the old
1: Bilko mm. things with Phil Silver. You just you watch the kind of the the effort that goes in from all these the supporting actors. Yes, feeding them lines, oh. and it's just like yeah, it's fantastic yeah. to watch that kind of. It's kind of weird because this
0: actually sort of brings us loosely onto it. I had a conversation uh, with a guy called Martin Unsworth a few weeks ago, who actually <laughs> he um he he works for Starburst magazine. But he's a big, big fan of 70s television yep. uh, and uh, 70s those 70s movies that um, <laughs> that were uh, based on sitcoms. So what we'll do, I'll play in that interview now, and then we'll resume afterwards Indeed. if that's all right. Hello, Martin. How you doing? <laughs>
2: That's Matt, that's
0: Matt. How are you? We will get there. So basically, um, you got the emails. So what I'd do is if somebody actually knows something about something, <laughs> it's a lot easier to talk to them. And, and you know, I'll let them sort of give me some input and everything like that. So, um, hello and welcome. I was going to talk to you today about uh, the, the movie remakes of British sitcoms that seem to punch their way through the 1970s. And uh, you seem to be the man who knows something about those.
2: Well, indeed, I, I grew up watching the TV sitcoms and the, the film versions were, were famous at the time. It took a while for me to see them because yeah. uh, I was a bit young. But, uh, but yeah, I think that they're very, very interesting in that, you know, there's a, a lot of series got the, the, the movie spin-off, most famously uh, on, on the buses. Yeah. Uh, well, they had, a, they had a trilogy, didn't they? <laughs> they did. Yeah, a like... trilogy, and they, they were produced by Hammer Films.
0: Wow!
2: Um, while they were still doing like things like Lust for the Vampire. Yeah. But but the the on the Buses film outstripped everything at box office. Amazing. So didn't it
0: there. Didn't it do better than Diamonds Are Forever or something in the first? It, it, the the like first.
2: One. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was one of those things where it. it it surprised everybody by being <laughs> top of the box office for a while. But, uh, was that was that the,
0: the very first then the very first spin-off si- sitcom movie that we know of, or, or did Step Two and Son sort of slide in slightly before it? Or no, I think you, um, that that was the one that opened the floodgates really on the buses. It, it was
2: the one that made people realise they could make lots of money on it. <laughs> uh, but we go back to the 50s, Yeah, Hammer also did... They, they had a, a... Before they started doing the, the horror films mainly, they did a lot of uh, spin-offs from radio shows.
0: Yes, and, of course, the two of the three Quatermass movies. Um,
2: yeah, which which spun off from TV series yeah. as well. But the, um, they had a, a, a film of I Only Asked. Oh, of course, yes. Which was... Uh, I mean, anything with Jack Warner in it, yes. Yeah, yeah. So they... Uh, Based, that was like set the trail really for doing spin-offs of TV shows, uh, right. certainly in England.
0: Right, so it was so it was kind of a thing that was actually happening generally. The 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 sort of TV sitcoms were just a new meat for them to exploit, really.
2: I think so, yeah. Uh, and it, 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 yeah, you know, it didn't matter which which genre the films were in. No, <laughs> uh, they tended to be the comedies, but yes. they, they did try and do I think, like say, the crater masses and things like yeah. that. Well, that was, uh, the, that was
0: the first X movie, wasn't it? It's uh, quite a mass experiment. Uh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, because they, they emph- emphasised the X in the x experiment. And, yeah, the On the Buses films, but they came at just the right time because they could be a bit racier than yeah. the TV show. Uh, not too much, but just a bit saucy. And, uh, and sort of carried on that way. But there's, there's lots of forgotten ones that they did uh, For the Love of Ada. Right. That was a TV show for a while. That became a movie. Yeah.
0: So the the um, the then this of course was presumably this was in competition with the Carry On films, really, was it, or was it in competition so. with all all sorts of other films? Because there were there were the Confessions films and everything like that. Would they not be the same sort of market, or?
2: Well, the Confessions films came slightly later, right. than the, on the British films.
0: Okay. Um, so how rude can we go, kind of thing?
2: Yeah, I mean they they were. Direct competition to the Carry On yeah. because the Carry On has got saucier and saucier yeah. in the seventies. I actually prefer the seventies mm. <laughs> ones. But yeah, they, they, I think they just realised they could they could be a bit cheekier yeah. without without the BBC censors or the ITV censors yeah. looking at
0: them. Were these actually yeah. um, would they, the the money men? Would would that money have fed back into the TV show, or is it completely a separate thing? Do you think?
2: I think it was a separate thing. Right. I think it was a license. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, they'd license it. They'd, yeah. they'd tend to get the original writers on yeah. board. And the same actors, obviously, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They occasionally change one or two actors. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's one of them things where they they, they just tried everything. There's a, a forgotten TV show called That's My, That's Your Funeral. Right. Uh, and, the, and Hammer made a film of that one. No. <laughs> Is that a cheery one? Yeah. No. yeah it, 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 it's a comedy based in an Undertaker's. Right, it's, Rehashed that uh, that idea later on with uh, in love and Men. Yes,
0: of course. Yes, uh, old Thora. Yes, and of course. Thora was a big yeah. sort of actress throughout, sort of 50s and 60s television, so. Yeah.
2: And, uh, and film. Was, yeah. The the were the undertakers, but they were no relational. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure they weren't? They weren't. They didn't steal your name from from a.
2: Well, somewhere. I, I was still
0: uh, at junior school when that
2: came ah, up. So right. Imagine the, the ribbon
0: I got. Uh, did you? Uh, did you uh, I imagine? You, did you get lots of? Um, you, nowadays, you'd have there'd be loads of photographs going around in your Twitter feed, wouldn't there? Or something, but at least yeah, that's, we yeah, were spared so. that at least. Okay. So, how how uh, old were you? Are you uh, in the in the seventies? If it's not too personal a question.
2: I, I was I was still in my, my, my one figures in the seventies. Right, so, so so
0: you would have seen these films when you were a lot older. Is that, I think all were they? Uh, yeah, yeah.
2: When they when they ended up turning on TV, yeah, uh, probably very early eight.
0: Yeah. and you just absolutely saw these and thought, yeah, that's me. That's my world. I love this.
2: Yeah, yeah, because uh, a lot of them I remember coming out at the cinema. I remember the Are You Being Served film coming out of the cinema.
0: Yes, of course, yes. Another one where go. they go on holiday. It, it seemed, That yeah. seemed to be a very big theme amongst amongst the spin-off films, wasn't it? We all go on holiday.
2: Yes, yes, and uh, it, it was an easy way of just transplanting and getting them into a proper yeah. outside yeah. camera setting rather than studio. Yeah. Have you ever been on holiday
0: with everybody you worked with at all? <laughs>
2: Uh, surprisingly,
0: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but it wasn't the same. No, I mean, because yeah, holiday on the buses was also was also one of the three, wasn't it? So it was. So done that, that in, trans-
2: uh,
0: in Preston. Presta- uh, oh in I went. I, you know, I went to Preston holiday camp. Oh, I yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I used to
2: go there as a kid. Yeah. So, so, when we saw that,
0: it was it was amazing. Uh, you see, we didn't have a car when I was a kid, so we went uh, in a taxi all the way to Prestatin yeah. from Stockport. <laughs> Blimey. And it cost me dad fifteen pounds. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> Which is you could just... have bought a car for that. <laughs> well, precisely. Fifteen pounds there, fifteen pounds back. Look at that. I think we ran out of money halfway through the week. I think he miscalculated.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but but there were no signs of any 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 filming going on. So. um... Uh, any of the others you remember? I mean, uh, there's the porridge. I think the porridge
2: one is actually quite classy, isn't it? The uh, in, in, yeah, uh, it, that was that was quite late on as well. That was that seventy nine, right? That was a lot
0: later. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, it's all uh, like they'd got into the rhythm of it by then. But it's actually a very sort of would you say ac- not accurate? Is accurate the word? Very very faithful to the original subject matter. It's kind of like a retelling, isn't it? Quite often they did a retelling, I suppose. Of it was it was the, it was the t- elements
2: of, of stuff they've done in the the show already. Yeah. Yeah. And used bits like yeah. that. I think the one that did that the most was the uh, Rising Damp one, right? Okay, uh, which of course had a different uh, character.
0: Oh, as, as of the logic as of Rich, Richard Beckinsale having gone. Yes, of course. Really. Yeah. I suppose this was an era though, wasn't it, when um, people didn't have videos, so so the actual original, say, the first series of Step would, would be such a far distant memory, and even even the, even to be honest, the first few sort of episodes of um, of porridge would be so far ago that people probably wouldn't remember it and you and that sort of like gives them a chance to hone you know the, the stuff that worked the stuff that was really kind, kind of funny and in, in that you know people gave them feedback on and they could make yeah. a really good tight
2: script out of it have you got any have you got any favorites at all uh the on the buses ones are, are the films i can watch all the time right. carry on films. you can just watch them and just forget about the world for a bit. And yeah.
0: I did hear that the um, one of... Uh, I can't remember who actually said it, but the, there's a line in the Likely Lads film that, that is, is, is quoted as being one of the best lines in a film ever. <laughs> <laughs> which is the, uh, I, I would offer you a drink, but I've only got six cans, which is apparently just, is comedy gold. So. <laughs> well,
2: but I, I'd agree with that as well. <laughs> yeah,
0: it, yeah. So, I mean, this is the thing, some people do regard them as a bit throwaway and a bit... Yeah, th- There is an attitude towards that kind of film in certain quarters that they're a bit... Sort of lowbrow, a bit trashy, a bit. But like I say, they absolutely hit the pulse of the British. But I mean, these these uh, sitcoms were doing 16 million viewers, weren't they? I mean,
2: they were. Yeah, yeah, they were they were consistently number one in the viewing charts and yeah. things like that for Definitely. year after year after year. You know, you still had Coronation Street on, but that was nowhere near yeah. getting what these these shows got.
0: So I mean, uh, you on one disc. You have them in your house. Do
2: you... I do. I do. I uh, I've got uh, probably most of the favourites. Your blessed house, yeah. the, the, the series and the movie yeah. uh, on the buses. I've, I've even got uh, love my neighbour,
0: right? <laughs> which pe- people don't like to talk about, but no, well, it's of people will pretend it never existed now. But again, this is kind of if you're looking at sort of television of the seventies, you have to accept that these things existed and you can't yeah. pretend they didn't. You know, it's it's. Kind of... I
2: think if you watch them now, other than using language which was offensive to me even as a child, yes. That they're not instinctively racist. They use racist language, Right. but it's all about the, the, the struggle between two people who are different. You know, that the black guy is a Tory, yeah, and the white guy is a Labour guy, yeah. and that's a, a big source of conflict as well. Yeah. And it's it's not just you know calling names, which you know it's uncomfortable when that gets a laugh. Yeah, so,
0: but it's also so it, I mean there's that sense, isn't there, that um, that people now, that's what they remember. And actually, yeah. there's a lot more going on in, in these shows generally. I mean, uh, something like Bless This House, you know, it, it's it's your standard household sitcom. You yeah. know yeah. Mum, yeah. Your, mum, your dad, two kids. And that's been repeated and remade and, and retold time and time again. And to be frank, if, if uh, Sid James hadn't sort of uh, sort of dropped off his perch when he did. It would probably run for another ten years, wouldn't it? <laughs> you know? Yeah,
2: probably. They'd, they'd, they'd have done something when he was their granddad or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's 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 brilliant. It's, it's, it's not. It's been great, sort of just chewing over, chewing the fat over a few of these old old sitcoms. Thanks very much for talking to me.
2: No worries. Take care.
0: So, uh, thanks for talking to me, Martin. Uh, there's another chunk of that interview where I asked Martin about working on Starburst magazine. Uh, if we've got time, we'll, we'll play it in some other time. Okay, uh, I think we're running out of time here, Sandy. You got uh, any thoughts on sitcoms and things from, from the 70s? I've been thinking about the old Faulty Towers thing. Ah, yeah. <laughs> okay, go on. Uh,
1: I wonder to you're kind of reimagining, because uh, John Cleese... Wrote a stage show right. based on Faulty Towers, which he brought out within about the last five or six years. Okay, crazy. and he, he, it was put on in Australia because we we don't like him enough here, and they don't like him enough in the uh, in the states. Right. So he uh, they kind of rewrote some of the scripts and put it on stage. Yeah. And Some he, of the
0: scripts. Uh, it's funny there was that controversy, wasn't there, about the pulled episode? But yes. it was uh, if you actually watched that one, yeah, you can see why they <laughs> did it, quite frankly. <laughs> you know.
1: And he, he, he then he got involved in a spat with the uh, the Faulty Towers Dining Experience, okay, who've been going since the the nineteen nineties, right? bunch of Australians again. <laughs> and the idea is you go and have a meal in the restaurant, and you're served by Basil and Manuel, okay, and Sybil. Right, and they've got no association with not, faulty... not Polly. T- no, no, she's' she only three people. Oh, right. So uh, you can have go and you have your meal, and it's they're allowed to do this because the seventy percent ad libbed and right. just reactive, okay. improv stuff, and the other thirty percent of it is scripted, okay. and it's scripted by the guys who produced that piece. So oh, right. uh, they've been doing this very successfully so for, uh, <laughs> and there are you know there are about half a dozen productions of this. Touring the world, Okay. I would say as we speak, but obviously not as we speak. No. As we speak, no. and uh, I think that was a lot more successful than uh, John Cleese's uh, ah. re recreation of that. So, in the John Cleese way, he kind of uh, he took the hump. Fair enough. <laughs> Normal situation for Mister Cleese, but yeah, I, I think probably the uh, watching a kind of a nineteen seventies low-value low, low value sitcom mm. on stage wouldn't be that
0: satisfying an no, experience. because I know... Because uh, A Low a Low was turned into a stage show, wasn't it? Yes. I, I believe it, you know people who've been I in that do, as well. I indeed, yes. Yeah, so it's
1: a... And the, uh, there is an A Low a Low society right. who turn up to Good. watch productions of it. Okay, do they... And, do... Do they end up having fights with the Secret Army Society? I know. They, Well, they, 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 they turn up in costume. Now, whether this is yeah. just people who like going out for an mm. evening at the theatre dressed in a Nazi uniform, uh, I couldn't possibly comment.
0: You, you like to think that that doesn't happen. <laughs> it's, just, it's kind of weird, though, isn't it? Because, again, that is a reimagining of Secret Army in many ways. You yes. Know? So, so it's, again, yeah. it's kind of on topic, so that's good. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's about all we've got time for this week. Uh, next time... If you're interested, Sandy, we we, uh, we course might, be interested. Oh, there we go. Oh, thank you. We we'll, uh, we might carry on having a bit of a theme of the week. Well, I think we may we may still come and we may come back and talk about this some more because it's it's sort of working. But uh, we may uh, also spend a little bit of our time looking at television dystopias. That's something cheerful, isn't it? something cheerful to look forward to. If you, can, you and I can get through the toxic wasteland and avoid the marauding hordes <laughs> battling for the last few drops of petrol or avoid the all-seeing eye of Big Brother, at least one of us, or maybe both of us, if you've enjoyed it, well, we'll be back next week for another Vision on Sound. We hope that you've enjoyed travelling along with us. We'd like to thank uh, Martin Unsworth for his contribution, as well as everybody here at Faber Radio International for helping out this week, and uh, hope to be with you again soon. Take care.